0: Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Angela Fry And I'm Lauren Lake. Today we have three guests helping us celebrate Women's History Month
1: COVID Edition. With us today are Ms. Cherie Peterson, Programs Director for the South Pacific Division, Ms. Marcia DeVille, Chief of the Real Estate Programs Branch at USACE Headquarters, and Ms. Maria Lance social scientist at the USA Institute for Water Resources. Thank you all for joining us here today. It's Thank you. It's a
2: pleasure to be here.
1: Great. Thank you all. For today's episode, we are focusing on the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on women in the workforce, particularly mothers. As Angie and I are both mothers as well, this is a topic of particular interest to us, and we know a lot of information has come out recently on the disproportionate impact the pandemic has had on women in the workplace. Including the statistic that nearly three million women have left the workforce in the past year. But before we dive into the questions and the heavy stuff, we always like to start our episode off by getting to know our guests. So we would like first to know more about you all and your families. What do you do and how many children do you have and what ages are your kiddos? So, Cherie, we'll start with you. Thanks Lauren. Cherie Peterson. I am the programs
2: director for the South Pacific Division, which means I'm the senior executive in charge of our three, three of our major programs, which is the VA Medical Construction Program, about $3 billion. our Civil Works Program, which is also about $3 billion right now, and our Military Construction Program, which is about $1 billion. So it's been a great increase in the last year. I'm really proud to help lead the South Pacific Division in this. My kids are both boys. They are 17 and 13, so I am far from changing poopy diapers, but I get treated poopy by my teenagers all the time.
1: Oh, we know about that. Bless you for having two boys, too. Maria, do you want to go next? Sure. So, Maria
3: Lamps, I'm a collaboration specialist at the Collaboration and Public Participation Center of Expertise, which is at the Institute for Water Resources, and I'm located at the Alexandria, Virginia, Location. So it's basically my job to improve the collaborative capacity of the agency. That's what our Center of Expertise was established to do, and so we focus on that both internally and externally. And I have two boys also. My boys are five years old and five months old. So I am well (laughs) acquainted and currently experiencing the joy of the
1: poopy diapers. Great. Thank you, Maria. And Marcia?
3: Okay.
4: Hi, ladies. Marcia DeVille. I'm located in headquarters, and I'm the chief of the real estate programs branch here. We handle all things uh, real estate systems because we are the real estate agent, you know, for the Army. So, we have a huge uh, responsibility. I have three daughters, 14, seven, and five. I am homeschooling in a COVID atmosphere, and it's it's been interesting. My youngest is in uh, French school, so that's been a challenge in itself. And it's great to meet you all.
0: Thank you for sharing a bit about your family. And I think Lauren and I can definitely relate on so many levels. Um, myself, I have two kids, a five-year-old boy, or going to be five years, and then a almost 10-year-old daughter. So, I... Um, understand the aspects of having a boy, and two, would be quite the chore. <laughs> and like all of you, I know life changed dramatically when the pandemic started, and so I'd like to just get to know more about how your life has changed, the good, the bad, the ugly. Sure. So, I mean, I think, of
3: course, it's been more difficult. I think everyone would probably say that. Juggling work and childcare at home is insane, And I think we're all just trying to get through that and make it work in our own ways. But I would add that there have been some silver linings. I've really been grateful for more family time. Having a newborn has given us the opportunity as a family with our son just to spend a lot more time together than we would have otherwise, which I really appreciate. And I've also, frankly, really appreciated not having the commute that's really helped so much with our logistics as a family so i did want to highlight you know there are some good things about this situation as ridiculous as it can be of course
2: The 13 and a 17 year old it's it's the family time i say takes a different different definition and that i think in some ways has made i don't think anybody's had a harder pandemic than any experience anybody else it's it's hard for everybody but you know, think back to when you were 13 and 17 and the last people on earth you wanted to spend all your time with was your parents. And that is exactly where we are at. So I have, you know, they're good kids, but they don't wanna hang out with us. You know, they sass us all the time. And it's been a struggle. You know, when my son's a junior in high school, it's a big year for him. He's having to do physics and pre-calculus and AP Italian online, which I can't, you know, I can't fathom and then he can't hang out with his friends to let off steam so it's been it's been really hard we've had i would say some very unfortunate conversations that i've made sure the neighbors couldn't hear by asking afterwards uh, because they were loud and not great but you know we're surviving we've tried the one thing that has worked for our family that we enjoy doing together is we call them taste testings so we've taste tested oreos and doritos and pocky and Iced tea and lemonade and anything to sort of what's something we can do fun as a family. I know some people can do bike rides, some people can play games. Our kids are super competitive, and playing games with two boys ends up in a fist fight, so that's not really an option for us. So it's it's been hard. I, I don't know if there's a great silver lining. Um, I can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> it's been it's been a challenge. Um, I'm grateful that we have a place to stay we both have great jobs you know there's there's certainly plenty to be thankful for but but it's been hard and i don't want to give it uh give it in at least the experience that we've had give it any sort of uh i don't want to say rah-rah that it's it's been great because it's been rough it's been rough all the way around and you know i think sometimes people look at leaders and like oh they must i don't know if they must have it all together but their experience must be better but You know, my experience hasn't been better. It's been just as rough as everybody else's.
4: I agree, this is Marcia. Like I said that, you know, I have uh, three daughters, two are pretty much only 18 months apart. And then my oldest is 14, she'll be 15 um, this summer. So it's that dynamic of my two youngest, they can occupy themselves and play together, but my oldest feels kind of ostracized because she can't be around her friends. So it's been just a challenge, and she's in a um, a program where when she graduates from high school, she'll also graduate with her associate's degree. And so her curriculum is very stringent, and uh, she gets stressed out. And I'm trying to, you know, just stay sane uh, with uh, my workload as well as, you know, with trying to tend to all of their emotions because they're used to being around their peers. They're used to being, um, being social. So that's been like a challenge. So like, we get along great, but still, it's only so much of just being together that I think kids can take. They need to be around their friends just to have that social outing. So it's been it's been a challenge and I have a kindergartner. So, her first experience in school is in front of an iPad, and that's difficult because she can't, you know, uh, navigate on her own. So, that means that I'm working a lot of strange hours in the middle of the night to make sure that I stay on top of my job, but also make sure that the girls are, you know, achieving what they need to achieve academically.
1: Yes, there are huge challenges, I think, although... As Sheree, you pointed out the pandemic has been hard at all different ages. I do feel like those school age kids are definitely suffering more as. Angie mentioned at the beginning of this, um, that we both do have kids. At home, and I have a almost 4 year old and a 1 year old, which presents their own challenges, but we have been thankful that we've been able to still have daycare for them, um, which is very different than um, you all and other friends uh, too. So it's it's definitely been a struggle at, at every age for sure. But I do think the challenges with school age kids are, are really acute here. And Marcy, you sort of led us into this conversation. Um, so talking about the balance of personal and professional lives, you all just in response to that, Previous question hit on you know the challenges with your kids, but obviously balancing your personal and professional workload is hard uh, regardless of a life-altering pandemic. And so, wanted to uh, to talk about the the difficulty that you all have had um, balancing the workload with these additional obligations.
2: So it was certainly a challenge before, but it was a different challenge. Um, it was very tightly time managed to get everybody wherever they needed to be. And so the change has been we have a lot more time, but we don't have a lot more time to do, I think, the fun things that we want to do. You know, like both boys are very sporty. My son's on the high school baseball team. Um, My younger son plays ultimate and soccer. And so it was a different kind of balance and having time. And and I would volunteer a lot. I was broom mom, I was team mom for every single sport you can think of. You know, all that that disappeared overnight, which – was a little bit of a relief because that's a lot of volunteer hours that I was putting in but happily so. so but now the balance really what I struggle with has been work has been taking over all that extra time. you know start around 8 or 830 today surprise meeting at 7:30 that I found out at 7:15 which is it was a good meeting and I'm glad I was in it but then I could work up to six or seven o'clock at night having to work on the weekends to keep up. Because the workload just seems to have grown and the demands it's easier to get a hold of me. I know that's a big thing in the McKinsey report that it's easy to get a hold of anybody because they're all home. You know, I'm not going to be out at volunteering somewhere. Unlikely not watching my kids play sports. I'm home. So that balance has been trickier for sure. Um, it was once explained to me when I had my second child, I'm like, how am I going to balance all of this? And a uh, more experienced mom at the time. She had three kids. She said, there is no balance. I wish you a happy imbalance. And, and I think that's really the best we can do, certainly during this circumstance, but at all times too. It's just, it's never easy and it's always evolving and different.
4: When we were, and I'm using quote fingers, uh, you all can't see me, but when we were in the you know sense of normalcy, I put in a lot of hours because I handled Europe and Korea and, you know, the Pacific, so I would always put in extra hours anyway, but now it's like trying to just, like, catch up. So once I get the girls to bed and they, you know, go off to sleep, then it's like, okay, I have to go full mode into work. I come in on the weekend um, just to, you know, print things and sign things and scan, and COVID has been rough. I was regimented. I always complained about the commute. Coming into d c every day, but now it's like I almost wish I could come into d c every day because just trying to do it all at home um, is stressful,
3: yeah, and I would just i i these comments completely resonate with me, and i would I would just add there's this emotional toll that is now present that wasn't there before, and just the the emotional capacity to since my, my kids are younger, I don't know, maybe it's a little different, but just to, to deal with them while I'm, I'm working um, is, is so exhausting. And I, I remember this story from, I think it was, it was over the summer, and I was to be the Collaboration and Public Participation Center, had a five-year strategic planning effort, and I was in the middle of trying to finalize the plan. I'm doing these final edits up against the deadline, and my son, is just he was acting out so much, and I literally didn't have the emotional bandwidth to discipline him yet again to lock him. I mean, literally, I was locking him out of my office over the summer um, so that I could do work, which was just awful. And I remember just standing there, like I put the computer up high somewhere on a shelf, and I and he threw balls at me while I, while I made these edits. And I just accepted it because I, I literally couldn't I couldn't do anything else at that point. There was no emotional capacity left for me to, to to work with him effectively. And I think, I think that the childcare part of this is you're literally, it's just, it's impossible for me at least to, to do it correctly in a, in a kind and caring way when you're confronted with these deadlines and you're in your house. It's, so that that part has just, I think, been the worst.
0: Oh, Maria, I totally relate to you on that level because my, my son has done similar things. In fact, he once told my husband that the only way you're gonna get mom to respond to your question is if you call her on the phone because she's on the phone all the time. <laughs> oh, and so that was like a dagger to the heart on that one.
2: <laughs>
0: I, hear, I hear you. As we you know, think about women in the workplace, and Cherie mentioned the McKenzie report, that report said you know, that they're seeing the, that women are leaving the workforce, they're cutting back their hours at higher rates than men during the pandemic. Um, and so, Marcia, you know, what are you finding um, that are additional pressures that have fallen to you during this time?
4: Thank you, good question. Uh, Okay, so I'm the Chief of the Real Estate Programs Branch, but our um, Chief of Real Estate, or Director of Real Estate, um, Ms. Brenda Johnson-Turner was an SES, and she abruptly left. She took another position um, with HUD, and she had two boys also, so she was struggling with that work-life balance as well, as we all, and so when she left, she redelegated her authority to me. So on top of that, I'm doing my work, plus, still picking up, you know, and holding the reins uh, for the real estate community. And so that's a challenge in itself. And then with being at home all the time, it's just stressful. I find that, like, my girls and I will just go for a walk just to get outside to get some fresh air, because when you're confined in your house all the time, even though you may love your home, just being home all the time because you're worried about your health and safety is difficult and uh with picking up even more challenges with work so it's like I'm still doing my workload plus taking on someone else's workload it's been a challenge and then trying to keep it all together and motivated you don't want your kids to see you like stressed out so i'm always you know happy go lucky um but it's it's difficult it really is i don't think that men in the workforce may experience the same things. Like I've been on conference calls and, you know, my kids may be in the background and I've got like stopped. Why is that noise? It's like they're kids. I'm on the conference call, I'm participating, I'm doing what I need to do, they're kids.
2: Well, I'm really sorry to you hear know, that, Marsha, that you get that kind of response. I feel very strongly, because I'm a woman leader, that I want people to see that for me, that, and, and and I'm an SES, and I know that. So give me the kind of response that they give you. So I make sure that, I mean, I'm stuck in the kitchen because we got four people at home. And trust me, when we remodeled our home, it did not include four office areas four years ago when we did that. So my kids are walking by, my dog's barking. And a couple times I think people have started to say something like, this is life. This is life. And if you don't like it, you know, you're not living in reality right now. Um, I know that's hard for some people to take, but Marcia, I'm can i really disappointed that you're facing that. That's just not right. Send them to me next time. Okay. (laughs) And I think that's such a great approach. It's really
3: important to see women in leadership. And men, it would be even more helpful if, um, uh, you know, there was a man in leadership who was on the webinar with his baby on his lap. You know, that would send a very strong signal as well. And I know over the summer uh, when I started different work efforts with so many webinars, when I saw my colleagues with their babies on their lap, men or women, it made me feel so much better. It made me feel that, you know, we're in this together, that other people are struggling through this. Their babies are on their lap too. Their five-year-olds, like, you know, pushing the computer screen away. And it just made it all okay for me. So I would echo what Cherie said, it's, it's it's really not fair Marcia, that people have responded that way. And I would say the opposite response it makes us all a little more comfortable in this environment. And, I, and that's more of what I've experienced, and it's really helped.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, Maria, following up, you, you mentioned this earlier, but uh, you and I both had the unique experience of having babies <laughs> during this pandemic. Um, and that has brought additional pressures um, at home for you as well as I know that um, at, you also had um, care for parents at some time throughout this as well. And so you talked a little bit about this normalizing of, of life right now um, here with colleagues. And how has that helped you deal with the pressures? Have there also been other things that have helped you deal with the pressures of having, having a newborn as well as the other work and, and life pressures um, you've had to face? And do you have advice for others who are dealing with similar situations?
3: It was, of course, really difficult to have a baby during the pandemic, and it was extraordinarily stressful. For obvious reasons, uh, one benefit, of course, is that no one is seeing anyone else, and the overall sort of health environment, as long as you don't get COVID, is, is safer than normal, which helped. But coming back from maternity leave, I think, has actually been really difficult and much more difficult than last time coming back from leave into this environment that we are in. There's something about the transition of, of being home for four months which, uh, you know, I took advantage of that new parental leave program, uh, which I can, I can talk about as well. But I've come back after being home for four months to still being home, yet now having to work. And that has made it way more difficult than last time. You know, going into the office would have provided that separation I needed, that motivation of being surrounded by colleagues again. And instead, I'm surrounded by dirty dishes and laundry. And honestly, it's, it's been a real struggle to, to, come, to come back at this time. So it's just something I'm, I'm working through. I, I welcome advice from others, frankly, on, on how best to do this. I don't know how many core moms and dads have had babies during the pandemic, but I think that it's been difficult. I guess, well, yeah. maybe one thing I can add to that is we decided to get our kids out of the house. So coming back to maternity leave, you know, you mentioned the McKinsey Report and women leaving the workforce. It was basically the decision was either I was going to come back half time, or the baby was going to leave the house because there was no way I was going to survive what happened over the summer. And because I have younger children, we have that flexibility. And, you know, listening to Marcia and Cherie with older children, I think it's in a, in a way when you have preschool-age kids, you know, we, we we did extensive research on the health threats out there. We looked at a lot of what's going on in schools right now who are in session and the threats associated to kids under five, and we did so much research, and it was so stressful, but at the end of it, we decided we are going to send our kids back to school. So we, we sent our five-year-old to preschool, um, private preschool that has extensive covid measures in place, and we got our baby into a nanny share with a neighbor and a family who is also extremely cautious. And so I guess if it's one bit of advice I could give for people with kids under five who have more of a choice is look at the schools around you, look at the options for neighbors or nanny shares, and and try to get them out of the house, because I, I honestly, I couldn't have gone back to work full time with them home this time around.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think that's good advice for folks with kids under five. I I know I spent the beginning of my maternity leave caring for my older son and my newborn daughter, and that was not, not the way I had originally planned for it, and we were lucky enough that my son's daycare opened up and we were able to send him back to school after weighing those risks. Cause it's a lot. It's a lot at any age. I'd had my fill of poopy diapers at that point, so <laughs> it's only only so much we uh, we could do. And Maria, you just you did briefly mention the paternity leave um, policy. That is something that I did miss out on, so I was thrilled that you were able to take advantage of it. And how did you feel? In order to take advantage of that policy, um, did you feel less pressure on your leave? Uh, uh, did you have a, a positive experience with? with that component of it, at least that the policy was uh, was in place and you didn't have to burn through your saved up leave? Yes,
3: absolutely. I mean, it was such a timely benefit. You know, our son was born October 13th and we were on pins and needles until October 1st, which is when anyone would officially qualify for the program. That was the start date your child had to be born on October 1st or later. So we, we just made that cutoff and I would say you know, time to recharge right now is really critical. And I now have leave to do that because I didn't have to use it for maternity leave. So it's been immensely helpful and and couldn't have come at a better time.
0: Cherie, earlier you mentioned, um, you know, your role as a senior executive in the Corps. And, you know, there, there aren't too many women in leadership roles within the Corps. And I know that that puts an added pressure on the women leaders Already, Um, And then as we entered into this pandemic, I am sure that it added even more pressure. So can you talk about your experience as a leader within USACE and then the additional pressures or experiences that you've had this past year?
2: Sure. So when I first became an SES, there was far fewer women SESs and 15s than there are even just four years later, uh, which is where I find myself now. Almost every meeting I would go into I would say before this last year, I would be the only woman. There would be no question. And in fact, there would be maybe two or three other non-white men also in the meeting. So it was very, I wouldn't say it was lonely, because fortunately, I had two great mentors right in the beginning to sort of welcome me, Mark Mazzani and David Ponganis Pongo, uh, both of whom since retired, who sort of made me part of their little cabal for the West Coast SESs. really helped me make a difference right away and not feel so isolated because there were certain not many of them are gone now sdss who weren't particularly thrilled uh, that i was there and it could have been just me versus me as a woman but that's the way it was but thanks to people like mark and pongo reminding me that i'm i was chosen and i'm here for a reason and so I've learned to speak loud and fast and to avoid being interrupted because otherwise those things would happen as a woman, you're much more likely to be talked over. And, but now that there are a lot more women, I would say it happens a lot more there. Excuse me. It happens a lot less in leadership. Having Dr. Altendorf, uh, Karen Baker was there when I got here having uh, Stacy Brown, you know, the more women, I think it's not that we work as a team on everything, our roles are very different, but we do watch out for each other, which is really wonderful. And I'm grateful for the support uh, to include uh, General Colleton and Major General Holland uh, as well in that support. So what has changed, I would think recently, the result I think of General Thelman's introduction and leadership on this issue is that the SES women are looking at how can we work together to promote uh, you know, more women in the workforce, not waiting for headquarters direction or DOD guidance or army guidance, but what can we do where we are? And I think that has led to a lot of really good things blooming in the MSCs and at some of the districts. And because I think because we're more proactive at not just the initial recruiting, but also the mentoring, because if you look at all the statistics, women and men start out about equal in the workforce, and the higher up the pipeline you get, the fewer women that, uh, that you get at the leadership level. And there's lots of reasons for that, but it is then upon those of us who are at the higher rungs of leadership to make sure we're mentoring and encouraging those who are at the middle, who may be not getting encouragement from others, to help them and see what they're facing ahead, help them make decisions to make sure that if they want to continue up the ladder, that they have the support to do so. So, I think that's that's actually been an improvement in the pandemic. We've been able to work together a little bit better. And I don't know if I would not say that's necessarily a result of the pandemic, or maybe a result of all of us deciding um, we want to be more proactive together. Well, that's great
1: to hear. Thank you, Sheree. And, thrilled that you all are, are taking the initiative to really promote women in the workforce and not waiting for, for headquarters or, or other guidance to come out. I do think that having having a balance of grassroots effort versus um, top-down is really important. So, Marcia, as a leader at headquarters, you know, we wanted to hear your take on this, on, on the pressures that you faced, as well as just thought about promoting more women um, in the workforce, given your, your headquarters experience?
4: Okay. Thank you uh, for that question. I uh, came to headquarters days in 2014 and shortly went out later uh, on maternity leave and came back. And it's been a drastic change. At the headquarters level, senior level, GS-15, you don't see a lot of women. You just don't. Just trying to embrace and nurture is what I've always been focused on. I'm the chairwoman for the Women's Professional Network here at headquarters. It's a chartered U.S. organization, and we put on events. Miss Stacy Brown, which Cherie uh, uh, may have mentioned her, um, she's one of my co-chairs, and it was actually created by Miss Baker before she left and to go to NAD, and so I've kind of carried the torch. We don't have that many events because of COVID, but we have had WebEx check-ins, you know, on different topics, and it's a way for us to bond, and it's, you know, purple, so it's every color under the rainbow, and we just talk about the things that we're talking about right now, the the struggles uh, with COVID, with balancing your family, with trying to stay on top of your work. But then also bringing to attention, like we um, we had one uh, meeting where we had the female SESs. So my former boss, um, Ms. Brenda Johnson-Turner, was on the panel, um, Ms. Baker was on the panel, and two other women who were out of uh, SAD. And it was just a way for women who are aspiring, you know, to get to that next level, to say, like, let me pick your brain. What did you do? How did you get here? What are your challenges? This same thing, work-life balance, and just not being afraid to put yourself out there. And you're just as qualified. You're just as good. And how did you get here? And it's just that um, moment when we had that meeting. So many women walked away inspired, and that was a great thing to see.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a really good supportive group um, that you have up at headquarters, and we appreciate all of you um, sharing your experiences and trying to help you know make the workplace better for, for all of us. As if the pandemic wasn't enough for us all to deal with uh, this year, we had, we had other difficulties this past year, including civil unrest across the nation and even at our nation's capital. I know that these major news events Uh, impacted my family, um, especially having young kids. They were concerned, you know, about how this was going to affect their lives and if they were safe. And so it it brought along even more difficult conversations to have with very young children. So I I wanna ask you all, you know, how did these major news events impact you and your family?
2: So, you know, I have teenagers, so it's a little bit different um, in terms of their reaction. We talked a lot, I think about the uh, black lives matter movement and what that means about how we treat people, how we make decisions. You know, we, so we live just uh, south of San Francisco, California, um, which is a very diverse area. Where we particularly live, I would say is diverse in terms of uh, Caucasian, Asian and Hispanic, not as many African Americans, but it was really heartening to see that many, you know, went to the different rallies that we had here and, and talking with my boys, it's, it's, I have to say, a bit of a struggle. You know, they're 13 and 17. I keep saying that, you know, they don't want to hear it from their mom and I don't want to hear it from their dad. You know, the Capitol insurrection was horrifying to me and my older son was thrilled because his AP history teacher canceled class so they could all watch it. You know, that's just not the response you want your child to have, but it's unfortunately the real response. But in terms of the the civil unrest, we did have some really good talks about how, you know, I would say there's the American ideal. Everyone can buy their bootstraps, pull them up, but that not everybody's bootstraps are the same um, or where you're standing is not the same as everybody else. And so we need to consider that when we're making all kinds of decisions, the playing field isn't level. And how do we, how do we grapple with that? So it was a, it was a good discussion, a couple of good discussions, but it's, you know, I would like to say that it changed their lives and they're, you know, the most open thinking boys ever. I hope they are, I hope our discussions helped, but I, you know, time, time will tell with them. They're old enough to make their own decisions and they're very, they have a wide group of friends, but. They have a lot of life left to live, and I'm hoping the space that we set for them will encourage them to be more of an ally and lifting others up and not just thinking of themselves, which is pretty much what they do at this age.
3: And I I can jump in as well on this. It's been a tough year on many fronts, but the the Black Lives Matter movement really, really has made me want to to do something. And And I had... I did not have this thought before this movement. And I think that's been one of the benefits of this movement as it has made a lot of people really stand up and think about what they can do. And I thought about it a lot. What can I do from where I sit? I mean, it is, it is a hard question. And it has really made me want to do more to, to address the inequalities as a as a core employee. You know, I thought about our agency a lot this year. and. And, that, and we work for an agency that has disproportionately impacted minority communities. We do, especially Native Americans. And we have a really tough history with that. And I think right now in, we really have an opportunity to look more closely at these impacts and see where we, we can improve. You know, we have this executive order on advancing racial equity, um, and it requires agencies to address inequities in our programs. So I've been thinking about that. And, and just wondering, you know, can we have an, innate, an agency initiative to focus maybe on a, a few of the gravest injustices that we are responsible for that are still unresolved? You know, like the displacement of tribes along the Columbia River. I mean, this stuff is overdue uh, to be addressed. And maybe in this, this year and um, what we're experiencing and going through, we need to put our collective energies and resources to actually get something done. I feel really driven to do something about this. And even the center of expertise I, I work at right now, I'm writing a white paper on ensuring participation equity um, because you know, we're moving into an era of increased virtual public participation for our projects. We've, we've seen that work fairly well during COVID, but you know there are communities and stakeholders that have limited or no internet, and we need to make sure we're not leaving them out. So, so I'm trying to look at that as well. And I think that the Black Lives Matter movement has, has really caused a lot of people to think about this. And and I do think we sit in a unique spot in the agency that we work for, where we can make a difference.
4: Like many of you sat at home over the last year and have seen so many uh, different protests and movements, unarmed people being killed. And it's difficult to have that conversation with your kids to understand why they may be treated differently because of the color of their skin. And then I fast forward to insurrection here at the the Capitol. I came into the office the next day. I don't know if you all have been to headquarters, but the Capitol is only two blocks away. I'm a former reservist, Army, and to be greeted with guns on the street uh, was just sad because the realization that... Sometimes African-Americans and women are willing to risk their lives and you know, dedicate their lives to their jobs and to their country for a country that may not necessarily love you back.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that experience, Marcia. I know that these issues have been hard to deal with on a variety of levels, but to be confronted with that, must have been extremely difficult, especially when you're dealing with all the other pressures that we've talked about uh, throughout today's episode. So appreciate you sharing that experience and hope that as we move forward throughout this year and into the future, things improve. And so we we talk about trying to improve situations going forward, you know, we wanted to to hear from you all if your offices have taken steps to to help folks who are struggling throughout this past year, both, I would say, um, related to the pandemic and related to the unrest and things that we uh, just talked about and, you know, really want to know also if there are additional measures that your offices could take that, that you think should be suggested going forward, um, you know, what can be improved upon in, in USACE's response to supporting its staff throughout this time?
3: Sure, thanks. So uh, the Institute for Water Resources, IWR, has, has done a few things um, that definitely have helped. They, uh, right at the beginning, they, they expanded the day's working hours. I think they go from five to 11 now, so they gave us some more flexibility around, you know, the child care issues to fit in our, our workload. Um, they've upped the frequency of town halls, which have been nice sort of touch points with, with staff if you have questions, uh, and they do, you know, frequent, they, they always start with a COVID situation, so, you know, they get, I think, from the medical office, the chief medical officer at headquarters gives us, you know, that update, so those have been Helpful, uh, and just on the, the last town hall, they shared with us a policy of that we get we now get are, are able to um, access admin leave for three hours of exercise a week, which I think maybe is an army policy. I'm not sure, but you're now um, able to use three hours of admin leave to do that, which is super helpful, as we know exercise really kind of helps at least for me, um, calm me down and and refocus. Oh, and then we we actually, just on the previous topic, we had a really helpful webinar on the history of racial injustice in the U.S. That was was great to bring this conversation into the workplace more. So I think just building on what they've already done, I think letting us know about, about policies like the exercise or other policies that can help us during this time is, is super useful, having webinars that give space to talk about the tumultuous events of this year. You know, people are, are looking to talk about this and, and you don't have those hallway conversations, those water cooler conversations, as, as you say, and trying to give a space for that. You know, I read in the McKinsey Report that that women, and black women especially, are are uncomfortable sharing their thoughts about current events and racial inequality. And so, you know, building on this webinar we had I wonder about, you know, creating safe con- spaces for these conversations at work. You know, conversations like we're having today, conversations about current events, and even just thinking about this podcast. I and listening to what Marcia and Sheree have shared, I, I wonder about some kind of mom support group in my office. You know, we are so isolated. And when we get on calls, we we just talk about work. So, so we're not. Connecting with our, at least I'm not connecting with my colleagues on a personal level like I used to. And it's just caused me to wonder you know, what would moms in my office think about a, you know, we have moms groups in the neighborhood and and those are super helpful. And I'm just, it was just something that occurred to me that maybe that would be
1: helpful as we try and get through this. Yeah, I think that would be great, Maria. I think that's a great suggestion. Cherie or Marcia, do you have anything to add and what? steps your office has taken to support your working working parents
4: as a supervisor and i have a staff of okay it's 10 people different ages but they're all most of their kids are grown that's a challenge in itself because they don't necessarily understand the struggles of you know when you have younger kids i've always been flexible in my approach i call our little group the cool kids club and so i check in with them weekly Just on a personal level, Um, not about work, not about you know, did you respond to this email or did you send this document? Just how are you doing? And I find it it's helpful because some of them are older to the point where they may be you know at home alone. So just that that engaging, just outside of work and just saying how are you doing? You see the people are really happy to hear from you. That it's not about a work email um, just to say hi
2: i would like to this is sheree i would like to echo what marcia said i think while the msc as a whole has not had any policies come out um, other than of course the extreme telework flexibility supervisors have been working very hard to check in with their people be flexible about uh, when people are working understanding you know maybe evenings Are going to be a little bit easier for folks, Um, but also, I think, establishing along the lines of what Marcia said, not just meetings about work, but hosting a happy hour, or we've hosted a baby shower. We had a picnic in June. It was a virtual picnic. That was quite fun for what it could be. It Wasn't as fun as a real picnic, but it was still fun and we got some families involved. And I know I, and I think other supervisors have been more pointed, not just having. Meetings with the people I directly support or supervise, but also making sure that I'm going to just participating, listening, supporting meetings of where I'm not even making a decision, but just, Hey, I haven't seen you guys in a while. I don't get to walk by your cubes anymore. How's it going? Here's some things you might want to know about. Uh, and that I try to do that a little bit more regularly than I would have had. We all been in the office. You know, I can't make someone walk by. Paul's desk and make fun of the fact that he's a supporter of the Dodgers baseball team when he lives in San Francisco, but I can, you know, if I drop in on a meeting, then I can do that. But in terms of official policies. No, I mean, I live in Silicon Valley and the flexibilities that you see in the private sector do not exist here. I have to say the former secretary of department of interior during the pandemic gave every person. And I, I'm probably not getting this policy right, but if I think if you had a docu, you were a documented caregiver, whether to a child or an elder, uh, I think you got every Friday or every other Friday off. You know, it's not not things that are the DOD took advantage of, but uh, I think we tried to make the most of the flexibility that we did have um, and I applaud the supervisors within uh, the South Pacific division for what they've done.
0: Yes, thank you, um, Marcia for you know, just reaching out and providing that human interaction with, with folks. And um, I know I tend to remind myself um, that I could be one of the only people that actually talks to that person for that particular day. And so I wanna always try to make sure that I'm listening and um, offering support if they're needed. So thank you for that. We are nearing the end of our time together and before we part ways, We talked about various changes that have occurred through the pandemic. And um, I think we all know that we're not going to go back to pre-pandemic normal, it's going to be a new normal. And so, you know, what are some long-term changes that you would like to see continue in the future? And then, you know, do you have any advice or suggestions going forward? Sure. So I know that the agency
3: is revisiting telework and remote duty location policies. I think um, there's some guidance expected from headquarters soon on this, and I know at, at more local levels, these have been revisited. So I think, you know, the more flexible we can make these policies, the better. I think COVID has actually allowed us to see that a lot more flexibility can still work, that telework can be quite effective. So if, if people can just get their kids out of the house and back to school, uh, I think that we'd be great. That's a big if, and, and we'll see how the, the next months unfold. Yeah, I think otherwise, for me, I am I just try to be grateful what for what I do have. I think some, someone mentioned that earlier in the call. You know, people likely listening to this podcast probably have a job that's fairly stable and just, you know, as much as venting helps me sometimes, I also try and balance that with being grateful for what I do have given what so many people have lost right now and and don't have. So I think gratitude is at the end of the day also a really helpful way to, to try and remain positive.
4: I would just say for me telework is effective And I think work-life balance is key. Being within, you know, the federal government and having a steady, you know, job, working with the military has always taught me that they would like to see butts in seats. But I think that COVID has shown that we can be just as effective, if not more productive, if we're at home. Here at headquarters, we took up two floors in the building. We've already consolidated down to one floor Because for the foreseeable future, I don't see people being willing to come into the office every day. And so I think that flexibility is key. It's going to be a key for uh, recruiting, and it will be a key for um, keeping people within the workforce. And not just speaking just for women, but for everyone, that telework can be effective. Just hopefully we get to a sense of normalcy when everyone feels safe.
0: And i think for me for, you know as a senior
2: leader telework was definitely frowned upon they rarely did it maybe once a month in coincidence with something else that needed to occur i can have heard things that it's still not going to be very uh, welcome going forward um, at certain levels for senior people and they really want to work to uh, work against that and change that but you can be effective. I mean, frankly, I have no desire to 100% telework whatsoever, but a more regular telework schedule could actually be very beneficial to myself and others, particularly women, because I would say the responsibilities of home and house and kids don't go away once we're back to whatever the new normal is. So I'm hopeful. I think we have more than proved all workers for say that we can deliver the mission in the most awful of circumstances. There is no question. So to question going forward that we could no longer have such flexible telework to me is is ridiculous. We have proved ourselves. We need to make sense of it. We need to make sure that it works for the position, and that's really a supervisor's job. But I think we need to to do two things going forward that we one of which we had done before and the other which we hadn't. Uh, we need to continue to hold everyone accountable for program delivery. absolutely but I think we also need to hold supervisors accountable for providing maximum flexibility for their workforce to deliver the mission. We've never done that before. We've let supervisors require everyone to be here. And we don't think that's probably necessary anymore, but the job needs to get done. And this job requires that you do come into the office at times, come into the office at times. So I think we need to work on those twin goals. And I know there are people in leadership who, are interested in that, and I'm working both at my MSC uh, as the champion for our workplace transformation team and as part of Karen Payne's team for workplace transformation. I'm working on those twin goals because I think we have achieved those, again, in the worst of circumstances, and we should build upon that going forward.
0: Thank you, Cherie, Marcia, and Maria, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights, to your listeners, we want to hear from you. What topics are important to you and what people are you interested in learning from? Till next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary.
1: To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the Corps and revolutionize
2: civil works together.